Welcome to the Avance Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Nick. And uh, it's a very wet and rainy week. <laughs> it's, it's slightly monsoon season, yes. I was looking at my pictures from last year, mm-hmm. and I was in McCall, and it was beautiful and uh, sunny, and I was riding our little Honda monkeys around the lake, and it was beautiful. Well, I mean, if, if things go well, we can be doing that in two weeks from now. Right. And so this gets you back there. Yeah. Yeah. And this year, I'm looking at uh, how I'm going to put it in four low to go to the driveway. Yeah. No, anyway. The small river that's coming the into your home. Yeah. In my house. Yeah. yeah. You're fine. Anyway. Yeah. Well, one of the unfortunate side effects of that, and I'm going to use this for our Carter Automotive Group tip of the week, is that uh, I still have to mow my damn lawn, which Ooh. is like two acres of lawn. And I've got a nice riding lawnmower and all that. And you're like, why is this on your podcast? Because I had to find an interesting way to keep mowing that lawn or I would have another field. Okay. Because rain, sun, rain, sun, rain, sun. It's a good problem to have. Sorry, California uh, and the rest of the South. <laughs> I know you guys are having it tough. We're having the opposite problem. Well, the problem is all that stuff sticks to the mower. And even with I a really good say, mower, yeah. it just clogs it up like crazy. So I got creative. And a long time ago on this podcast, I had a, a tip of the week that was interesting uses for products we own, especially from Griot's Garage. Did you ceramic coat your lawnmower? I ceramic coated the underside of my lawnmower <laughs> I, deck. I know you so well. That's I was and like, it I was know. one of the best things I've ever done. <laughs> so I had to, I was trying to keep my mind busy. We got to tell the guy that grew as you did that. That's oh, I'm funny. going to. Okay. And yeah. so I, I, well, I had to change the blades because I put on the the grass catcher and all that because yeah. I'm just throwing grass all the lawn. And so I'm all I'm under there. I cleaned it all out, right? So I grabbed the pressure washer and I cleaned the underside of the thing. And I'm like. I'm going to get stuff to stop sticking. So I have the Creo ceramic three-in-one, right? Does anything and stick to it? No. No. I sprayed it out with uh, some of the <laughs> some goof off because it's a lawnmower deck. Don't do this to your car. But yeah. I used that to just strip all the, the crap out of there after I pressure washed it and get it down to actual metal, right? So I sprayed the thing, and then I went and did the lawn. Nothing. Solved Nothing. all my problems. Wow. So That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> okay. If you got Leave the leftover you. Creo ceramic, oh, yeah. I'm just saying this stuff is... Do it to your lawnmower. And yeah. I hope I hope you got a good laugh out of this because I got some weird looks, but it worked. So whatever. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Dan's obsessed. He'll clean anything and ceramic coat. And apparently anything. ceramic coat yeah, anything. Sure. So yeah. just saying it's a weird one, but it, it was damn useful. <laughs> so I, I, yeah. I was like, you know what? Did not I'm see that coming. It. Did not see that coming. So yeah. that's your card automotive group tip of the week. And uh, I hope you got a good laugh out of my ingenuity. Of course. Yes, as always. <laughs> Our guest this week uh, probably has a smarter solution. Her name is Karen Salvaggio. She is a race car driver, motivational speaker. She is a veteran. She is a grandmother and uh, obviously a mother as well. And let's see what else. There's a lot under your resume here. I tried to read it all. You're into Sovereign and you race, uh, let's see here, for Daytona Coupe. Uh, Super performance replica, correct? No, it's a Factory 5. Factory 5, excuse me. Factory 5, Super performance. So... The uh, one of the hardest cars to drive compared to anything modern because it's tail happy and has no power or anything, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're actually they're actually quite fun. They they really oh, are. I- actually they're they're not as tail happy as the Cobra Roadsters. So I I raced those for quite a while, and, and everything that I've run in that realm has been from Factory Five. So they're all you know replicas of the 1965. But but the uh, the Daytona Coupe actually is five inches longer on a wheelbase than than the uh than the cobra roadster so the roadster is a tail happy fire breathing beast whereas the the daytona coupe for those people i guess i could relate it to if you're a corvette driver like no offense to corvette drivers i'm a corvette driver too but corvettes make everybody look good (laughs) because they are you know they have tons of power and if they start stepping out you just roll in the throttle a little bit on dial and it just looks sweet but you get into a high horsepower, tail happy, short wheelbase, and there is once it steps out, 
it's gone. <laughs> it's over. Wee. Yeah, we had we drove some uh, uh, backdraft racing Cobras thanks to our friends at Park Place one time. They let us borrow some for uh, a night and took them out and cruised them when they first got that line. Yeah, those are terrifying. Um, I would imagine every Cobra. I, I had never driven a Cobra, period, up until that point. Had you? No. No. Let alone yeah. one with a Coyote engine. Yeah, his it, had so. a Coyote. Mine had a 427. And I was just like, and I've had a C606, a C7, some other fun cars, but that was a different animal. Cold Cold, cold it was, tires. It was, it was cold tires. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, I, and I got a nice visit from the Washington State Patrol, so that was fun. Yeah. So, yeah. It lived up to the hype. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it did. Yes, yeah. it did. And, and, you can't be, and you can't be stealthy when you're in one of those. It's not like you can, nope. it's not like you can sneak around. And like my, uh, my Daytona Coupe's not street legal. I'm all, I've, I've got just, I, all I have to do is put windshield wipers on and, and I'll have it through the, you know, the inspection. But, um, <laughs> you know, quite frankly, they were asking me last week, I was racing in Spokane with Sovereign and we, we did this really cool Girl Scout group um, down at their main center there in Spokane. And so they're like, well, just bring the car. And I'm like, look, I'm gonna have to trailer it down there. And they're like, ah, just drive it. And I'm like, you don't sneak around in this yeah. car. <laughs> so, You'll be able like to hear me when I started up at the racetrack 10 miles away. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, yeah, it sets off car alarms and it's just, you know, it's, and, and it wasn't like, they were really asking me to break the law, but they're like, well, can't you just kind of like, I'm like, no, nope. <laughs> <laughs> you're not sneaking around. You don't sneak around in a Cobra. You're not, you're not sliding into town in a Daytona coupe without being noticed. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I think the part I was the most proud about when I was driving is the fact that I kept all the skin and the hair on the back of my leg. Like I was smart enough right. to keep, you know, get that yeah. long leg out. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Watch the tailpipes. So Karen, let's 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 go back a little bit and talk about you know uh, how you got into cars, your love of cars, and how you've kind of you know built your life around it now. Like we said, with not only racing but teaching and coaching and things like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm probably not unlike a lot of your viewers and Avant's followers and and other people. Um, I the 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 interesting thing is is that girls can like cars too. Girls can can like the speed and performance. And from the time I was a kid, uh, even when I had a little, you know, a little bicycle, I would, you know, I set up a road course out in the road in front of my house. I grew up in, by the way, you were talking about the, the ceramic coating stuff. I grew up in Pittsburgh, just out in the suburbs north of Pittsburgh. And so I was the person mowing the grass and there's a lot of rain there. And, and I spent more time you know, peeling that stuff out from the underneath the lawnmower. So I wished I'd had some griots <laughs> ceramic. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've had the, you know, the you may open I, up a new, a new thing for them. <laughs> lawn, griots lawn care. Lawn care. Yeah, absolutely. Lawn, yeah. Just the newest lawn care product. Yeah. yeah. They can just rebadge it and sell it over there, you know, at the, in Home Depot. <laughs> Until we figure <laughs> out that it's not good for your lawn. <laughs> so yeah. 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 Right. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So I, I've, you know, there's uh, there's also in the speed and performance driving world, you know, there's people that just like to go fast. It's acceleration. And then I think there's, uh, you know, a different group of us who like the actual rhythm of of driving on a road course or or, you know, going out on a spirited drive, whether it be on your sport bike or on a, you know, in a, in a really nice classic car or something that's performance based and just taking on a road. And there's just something, you know, just wonderful about it. And some of us just get great joy from that. And for me, I'm, I've been always been the person that when I want to go on the back roads, I'm, I'm trying, you know, I'm, you know, 
pushing the envelope. And then when I discovered we could actually start driving on the track, I'm like, oh, I'm in. <laughs> like, I'm going to drive on a track. So I think the first time I actually drove on a racetrack was probably in the early 90s. But uh, so growing up in Pennsylvania, there was no like there, there were no racetracks near me or any of that. There was maybe a dirt track somewhere toward, over toward West Virginia, maybe. But um, I knew someday I was going to be a race car driver. And, and do you remember a show? You're probably both too young for this, but a show by the name of ABC Wide World of Sports. Yeah. We okay. grew up in the 80s. Yeah. yeah. In the okay. early 80s, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, I, you know, in Pennsylvania, Saturday afternoons, we, you know, I was always glued to the TV watching, you know, ABC Wide World of Sports and Jim McKay and all that. And they would actually go out to places like Talladega and Daytona and Lamont and, at, you know, Sebring. And then they'd go out and, you know, uh, Salt Lake, you know, out to the flats there. And, you know, I mean, and I was just like, and my parents thought I was insane, quite frankly. <laughs> They're like, why is our daughter like this? You know, my, you know, my, my two brothers could have cared less, both of them. And my dad was like, not a car guy at all. He's like Mr. Magoo. And they all thought I was nuts. And I'm like, I'm like, no, I'll be over here watching Talladega and Darlington. You know, those pictures you see of Darlington when Kelly Arborough and them, they're fighting. I'm like, I watched that live, <laughs> you know, in 1960, whatever it was, you know. So anyway, I just knew I was going to do this someday. And long story short, um, I wanted to go to college. I couldn't afford it. And I figured out, hmm, if you join the Air Force, <laughs> you can get something called the GI Bill. And I come from a family that was very, a lot of veterans, and it was just a very natural thing to go into the military anyway. But I figured out, wow, I'm so honestly, I went in the Air Force. I'd been a wrench working on things at home. They're like, hey, uh, do you want to be an aircraft mechanic? And I'm like, will I get the GI Bill? <laughs> They're like, yep. So I was like, okay, I'm in. Next thing you know, I'm working on a flight line on B-52s. And, and I'm a crew chief and I'm flying around the world doing cool stuff. And I'm like, Hey, this is great. Fast forward, you know, six, eight years in, um, one of the guys who I was in the military with, he had a plane, he was a crew chief on, and he had a stock car. And he asked me if I'd come down to the stock car races in central California and help him on his stock car one Saturday night. And I was like, sure, I'll go. So off I go. And he says, Hey, take it out for some mud laps. And I was like, sure, I'm in. Sure. And I, I mean, I'm in. Are you kidding? Like, I don't, and I had no idea what I was doing whatsoever. And then you get in there and you, and I'm like, I entered the track on the exit. I was like a total bonehead. You know, I, I didn't even know where I was going. He's like, yeah, just go that way. And then next thing I know, he points me over here and there's cars coming at me and they're like, you dumb girl. You know, I mean, <laughs> that was like 1982. 83 in central California. And, but, but once I got going the right direction and started building up speed and it's mud and crap flying everywhere, but I was like, I love this. I, I'm in. So Monday I went out and found a car that somebody had started building and it was literally at the back end of a chicken ranch full of crap. It was a 1970 Olds Cutlass 442 and it had been uh, cool. roller, bro roller cool. brushed you know, it was awful. It was really horrific. Yeah. It was an ugly car, but, I, but to me, it was like, Oh, angel singing. <laughs> Here's my race car. So that's, that's how I got started. And then I've pretty much had something in the garage ever since. 
Well, we're going to suck getting these underachievers on the show. Right. I mean, <laughs> I, it, it's funny because I have, I have a very good friend of mine that I, I, I worked at, at the private airport in Spokane for many years and had a couple of female friends that did airframe and power plant, and they loved it. And the, all the guys on the line used to love it because the women were smaller and they could get in places that the men would have to take the whole plane apart to get to. <laughs> so they used to <laughs> say, like, it's like, <laughs> women are the best at this because it's so awesome. So, um yeah. I want to talk about you getting into racing. And the reason I'm going to this is we actually we had the pleasure of interviewing Lynn St. James earlier this week. And she was talking about inviting women into the sports and, and it, it, not assuming that they're just going to show up. Did you have a hard time getting in? Were, were, was it was there, there some adversity? or do, You seem like the type of person to just be like, I'm here. Here's my car. We're going to race. It doesn't matter who I am kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think um – I think there's two answers to that. And, and a lot of it has to do with, we even think of it as a sliding scale, depending on how you were raised and depending on what you were exposed to when you were young. So for me, my dad expected us, you know, like I was up shingling a roof when I was like eight years old, you know, he's like, you can carry that square, get up there, you know? And, and I mean, it was just, you're doing this stuff. And I never had a Barbie doll. <laughs> it wasn't, I didn't even know what they were. Me either. And, and so, yeah. <laughs> Come on, tell us the truth. Okay, fine. I had a cabbage patch kid. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I mean, honestly, so for me, you know, my dad always expected us to just do. And, you you know, we had a boat, but you were the one building the dock. You were the one putting it in, taking it out, and you just did it. Um, if you weren't raised that way or exposed that way, then to welcome more women in, you know, I would say it'd be great if we – you know, uh, tried to expose young people to this sooner than later, um, get them out to the track when they're five, six, seven, eight, ten. 10, um, you know, and, and, and help them at least understand this is a pathway that could, could work for you, how that works. There's probably a thousand ways of getting that done. But the other thing is, is, um, women don't tend to, and this is just kind of like a very generalized statement, but you know, if a guy wants to learn how to fish, he's going to kind of probably go out to the lake and go figure it out and make mistakes and who cares, you know, and they'll drink a beer and it's over. Like women don't tend to necessarily put themselves out there because there's a risk to it. And there's also, as a matter of fact, I can relate um, what we ran in Spokane. My times, we rained all weekend last weekend. My time, I go out and race in the rain but I will not go off. I'm not going to have an incident because if you're the girl and you have the incident, you own that where a guy will be, Oh, well, he was just going for it. And he flew off into the mud. When the girl has to get pulled out of the mud, there is a totally different, almost like a stigma. It's like, she's a dumb shit or excuse me, but a dumbass. <laughs> it's fine. You're good. Yeah. Be her fault, you know, instead of like she's pushing it like everyone else, she like if I have a spin and continue, it's going to probably be announced on the loudspeaker as opposed to. So women tend to be just because of the standard that we're held to when we're doing something out of the box, meaning like, you know, something that wouldn't normally be us. If you fail at it, you own it big time. And I can, you know, I can name countless women that have tried very hard to do different sports. And if they don't do well, or they make the same mistakes, like on a race car driver, if you're going to, if you're going to be at the top, you're going to wreck cars. You are going yeah. to wreck cars. You're going to be wrecked. You're going to wreck other people. It's just how that sport works, especially at the highest levels. If one of the reasons I think we haven't had more women 
um, go up the ranks farther is because you have to have deep pockets and somebody who's willing to say, you know, and we're telling people to go wreck cars, but no one that's at the top of the game has made it there without having failure. And we have to break through the concept of it's okay to fail. And it doesn't mean that you're worthless or less than because you wrecked a car. You know, it's, it happens for guys. And, you know, I don't think, I, I just think there's some standards that are held differently for me. I'm just like, I don't care what the opinion is. I'm going to keep going. And then a long time ago, I decided I was just going to fund my own racing and stop going around with my handout, trying to figure out who's going to pay for it. So I just kept working harder and earned more money and just paid for the stuff primarily myself because then you're not serving at the whim of someone else. And I do all my own work. So, you know, I, I understand the suspension and all the pieces. So I suppose it's probably a bird walk of an answer, but, you know, it's probably a sliding scale. And how do we invite more in? We need to get them out sooner and we need to make a pathway that they can see a clear role for themselves out there. Agreed. Appreciate the thorough answer. Honestly, that's a really great perspective that, I mean, we don't really get to hear very often. Um, speaking of reaching out young, you were just at Spokane. You mentioned uh, talking with the Girl Scouts. Mm -hmm. uh, how did yeah. that, how did that go? Like, what was the topic? What, how was, what was the conversation there? Well, it, initially we had talked about taking my car down there and just talking about becoming a race car driver, but then it was raining like crazy and it really didn't make sense to try and do all that. So You're going to try to drive a Daytona into downtown Seattle that, or Spokane. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, no, it, wasn't, it wasn't even that. Again, I'm not street legal, but trying to yeah. park a trailer downtown no, is yeah, a really fun thing. It was more yeah. about where are we going to do this? So I, I actually, I do public speaking, you know, here and there and different things. And so I had a PowerPoint all about, you know, kind of who I am, where I came from and what I do. And, and then I have words of encouragement at the end that have to do with, with, you know, believing in yourself, setting goals, never letting other people define you or tell you what you can or can't do. If it's something you're inspired by, go follow it, go chase it. Um, you know, no one can tell you what you can't be. Like, just go for it. And it's hard. I mean, the, those words are easy to say, but when you live in an environment where people are telling you, you know, that's not for you, you can't do it. We, all we can hope is we can get young girls through that to where they become 18 or 20 and then they pursue those things anyway. So it's kind of building resilience and saying, even if you can't do it right now, hold on to that dream because there'll be, there'll come a time when you are self-determined and you will be able to follow that passion. So don't forget it and don't lose it. It'd be great for them to all come out the track when they're six or eight or 10 or go go-karting or something, but they just need to learn how to be resilient and to make their own way in the world. So that, you know, I have a, a talk that I go with young girls and, and, you know, help them see what they can do in life. And it's not necessarily just becoming a race car driver. It, whatever it is, if you want to be a mountain climber, if you want to be the, you know, an entrepreneur, or, you know, start your own business, like don't let someone define you, like believe in yourself and just work really hard and, and you can, uh, you can achieve anything. So when I was in Cub Scouts in Spokane and it wasn't a lot that did that, but the Girl Scouts would come and build Pinewood Derby cars with us mm -hmm. and there were about three or four of them. And it was so cool because, and, and I, to this day, like, cause girls made it pretty. So they put a bunch of stuff on it, which made it heavier, which made it win a lot more <laughs> as guys were in there trying, like my grandfather and I are trying to shave everything out and fill it with lead. Girls are like, it's pretty. It's got a bow on the front. And well, the bow sticks out farther than it which means it won. So, I mean, I remember those. So that's, that's a neat, that's a neat idea. So <laughs> 
ex- exactly. There's a, yeah. there's a reason we put our transponder on the nose, right? Exactly. <laughs> One more little thing to cross there. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, funny. Exactly. Yeah. I have some pictures from that on my Facebook page um, from being with the Girl Scouts. So if anyone out there wants to see, and they had their Pinewood Derby cars there. So it, cool. it was really cool. I took pictures of them and posted them all, but they were all there and they, it was, it was just wonderful. It was such, well, I'm an educator too. So, you know, when I got my college education, I went into public education. I spent 25 years working in public schools and started as a substitute teacher and retired as a in the role of superintendent. So I kind of like did a little oh, bit wow. of everything from the way. Um, yeah, because because racing, you know, what do they say? If you want to make a million dollars racing, start with three million, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I, was gonna, I was just going to ask you about that. Yeah, I noticed I was reading. You have your master's and your PhD. Um, what are those in? Um, well, my master's is in is in education. It's actually in curriculum and instruction. And okay. then my, my 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 doctorate work was done in organizational leadership and organizational development. So it has to do with court. You know, like. I do CEO coaching with corporate culture and, you know, building, building, it's like basically building teams and building people. And Mm -hmm. how do you, it's one of the reasons I love doing the endurance racing um, because I've done a lot of that. And when you can gather a group of talented people together and then channel their energy, everybody brings something special to the party. And then if you can get them all heading for a more superordinate goal, which is outside of them, but it's, we're going to win this race or we're going to accomplish whatever the goal is. Um, it's amazing how people will do almost anything when they know they're part of something bigger than themselves. It's really cool. I have a good friend that does that actually, Tiffany. Um, I can't imagine trying yeah. to go into and, and, and take somebody who's running a company and be like, I'm going to teach you what you're doing wrong. Cause a lot of those guys, I mean, we've run into them in the car community. There's not, I mean, don't listen. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And you know, you're going to have to like it. And it's like, wow. Okay. So, yeah. you know, good for you. Well, well, it has, you know what, let's say, you know, let's just use you know, there's a hundred thousand businesses. It's, it's basically, I live my life by the law of attraction. It, it, it's a core value to me. And there will be people who will, will come to the epiphical understanding that my, my company is not working as smoothly or, you know, as it could, the culture is toxic or there's places that need intervention and I'm the CEO and I can't do all of it. So sometimes it's just, you know, the, you know, the right people will come to you. The right people sure. come to me, you know, and I don't have to. They want help more than anything. They have to. Exactly. Yeah. Because they can see productivity and, and harmony are not happening. And a, a company that's really any organization, whether it be Avance, whether it be Sovereign, whether it be a school district or a private company, whenever when things are, are clicking and everything is working kind of in harmony, you are way more productive. People are happier. And it, it's just overall, like the gestalt of it is is a win for everyone. It, it, it's pretty amazing. And it makes everyone feel good that they're part of something bigger than themselves. Yeah. So the level you operate, that makes sense how you're able to do as much as you do. Because <laughs> this all adds up. I can see how it built and how you are where you are as a result. So uh, I never said thank you for your service in the Air Force, by the way. I'm so thank you. Yeah. And you started that. And you see, you were in there for what, eight years, nine years? Yeah, nine, nine years. I went in in 76 and got out in 85. And the only reason I really got out was in 85 because I, you know, I was I was having fun, quite frankly. I was traveling around, flying around, doing fun stuff. But then in 85, they came out with a, uh, a, 
basically a directive that the GI Bill in its old form was a use it or lose it by 89. So if you didn't, and you know, when you're flying around doing that, you're not going to college, you know, they're like, oh yeah, go to night school. I can't do that when I'm in the Philippines, you know, it's like not going to happen right now. So I, I chose to just get out. And, um, and it, it was one of the greatest adventures of my life. It was an honor to serve with some amazing people. And, um, I, I, you know, as a matter of fact, at Spokane last week, we did some, uh, rides like ride alongs and we, you know, basically drew names of workers and took them for ride alongs in our car. And I had a, um, a person, a young, young person, her name was joy. She's actually an airman over at, uh, at Fairchild. Fairchild. Yeah. yeah. And she, and she cool. hopped in the car with me and she was just what a pistol of a person she's screaming all the way around, woohoo, you know, and I'm like, this is great. And it felt so good to know that this was a fellow air force person. It was really cool. Sorry. Saw some of her, some of her in you and some of you in her. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, cool. I mean, exactly. the, the track is out in Airway Heights and it's near Fairchild. So yeah. you, I mean, there's a lot of air force people that are involved in racing in Spokane. I mean here yeah. too, but there you'd yeah. always see them, you know, and it's, you know, a lot of times you see the bracket show up and like, Oh no, he had to fly out to someplace. So he can't be here this weekend. So yeah. exactly. Well, and, and recently, you know, the counties, you know, they, that, that property changed hands and the yeah. Kalispell tribe now owns it. And of course we've, you know, as, as we were put, you know, getting ready to host that event, you know, where everyone's fingers are crossed that, you know, they're going to keep it as a, as a motorsports complex. And, and we were, we were very lucky to, to have some reassurances um, from that organization. And one of their tribal council members was out there with us for the whole weekend, RJ, and he was, he was magnificent. And so I'm very hopeful that that complex will build and I'm hoping they build the car community over there, you know, get get a some kind of a race school going over there where people can get sanctioned and licensed over there instead of having to come all the way to the West. And they can grow that population because there's a lot of folks from Canada who will come down. There's people who come over from Montana and obviously, you know, Oregon or at least Eastern Oregon and uh, Idaho. And there's there's a lot of car enthusiasts in that little neck of the woods. Well, and they have the infrastructure there. I mean, the the the, the drag strip and everything is literally right next to the casino. Like, so yeah. I was gonna say, I hope the tribes yeah. around here. There's a lot of a lot of tribes have access. They're really close to tracks. Bremerton, yeah. uh, the Ridge. Like, there's a there's a bunch of tracks that are close to tribes, and I hope they continue to see that as a good partnership because that's a great way to interact with the tribe, which has suffered. It's been a, I mean, obviously been a problem for many many years. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping we can use it a bridge. Could, yeah, historically, yeah, so, we could have done better. Yeah, obviously. So I hope this is a good way to bridge uh, the communities more. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the Daytona and the cars you've owned and you wrenching on them and building yeah. them. I mean, how did that, I mean, obviously we know you, you started with the Cutlass and get, talk us through what you, what you've driven, what you built, where, where the cars came from, things like that. Yeah, sure. And, you know, I grew up very, you know, middle class, probably lower middle class. We didn't have a ton of money. So my whole car thing really came from necessity. So if you wanted a car, you bought the hundred or two hundred dollar car in 1972, and it didn't always run well. And if you wanted to keep it running, you know, you either took it to a shop and paid somebody. Well, I didn't have any money, so I just learned how to start fixing things myself. So I've always kind of been self-made that way. But I enjoy it. I love learning how things work. I'm a, you know, I'm 
I'm not really good on electrical stuff. I'm like, uh, I'm, en- I'm enough to be dangerous. I could, on the flight of the Phoenix, I could help us get out of the desert probably, but. <laughs> <laughs> Especially not- airframe and power plant. You could do, you'd be, yeah, right, yeah, you'd yeah. be the best like resource it'll there. It'll, it'll yeah. take off and land once, you know, that this is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, I'm a, I love wrenching. I love building things and understanding how they all work. <clears throat> and uh, anyway, so through the years, my race cars, I worked on with, you know, myself and, and, you know, probably in the bigger picture, I was married. And, and so I got married when I was in the air force and my husband was a gearhead too. And, you know, he helped me with that, but unfortunately he passed away. Um, and so I, I just kept going. And then, um, you know, I've, I've just, I, we raced, he and I raced Corvettes together for quite a while. He was, uh, he was a member. You ever hear of a guy by the name of Dick Goldstrand, Goldstrand racing. So he, he would, he would have been with Zora Duntov and the group back in the sixties, late fifties and sixties, very contemporary to, um, to Carol Shelby, that same era of person. But, uh, Goldstrand was Corvettes and he ran the Corvettes and the grand sports and whatnot, like over at Le Mans and whatnot. Um, but my husband was a member of Goldstrand Racing when I met him, and I had been racing already. And it was like, hey, this is like, wow, <laughs> the two yeah, yeah, jackpot, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, Woo. yeah. So anyway, so we raced Corvettes for a while and did that, and we did some. I still have in the garage. I have a '59 Corvette that he had built, and it actually is a Riverside. It's an original Riverside race car, little C production car. So it's out in the it's out the shop. It's a, yeah, it's a wonderful little. It's a wonderful little ride, but it's just kind of there as a memorial. I never, I never take it out or do anything with it. But did you guys both have your own Corvettes? Like, were you racing separate cars, or were you racing the same? On the vintage side, we just raced that that car. But then once we had, once we got into the the, um, we we started racing. We actually started going with the National Council of Corvette Clubs, and we kind of got more into like high and low speed autocross. And then we were going to every party there ever was with the Corvette groups, you know. And they and they put on some good parties. So they know how to so, party. Yes. Yeah, yeah they know yeah. how to party. So we yeah we had a couple of different cars. We had but several different Z06s. My daily driver is still a 1995 that I have 192,000 miles on and it's, it's out here in the driveway. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Those LT one engines, they just run forever. They're just, yep. they're sweet and they're bad. The car is balanced and it's what they call a Z07. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't know what that is, but it's a, uh, it's, it's like a big, yeah. Yeah, big break, you know, a uh, sway bar balanced, you know, they, yep. they came out with two seventy five forties all the way around when, when they were always having staggered on the base models. So it's just a wonderful little driver. Yeah, what I ran it on a lot of tracks and did a lot of stuff. So kind of through the years, uh, we did Corvette stuff. And then uh, later on, when I, t- when I was turning 50 is when I actually got into the, the Cobras. So I was born in 1956. So fast forward, you know, 2006. And uh, I'd been doing a lot of autocrossing. And then, you know, a lot of people, no offense to those of people who do autocross, but it's, it's not wheel to wheel racing. I love it, no. but it's, it's just not. And so I kept telling my husband, I'm like, look, I, I want to go back to wheel to wheel and we didn't want to wheel to wheel Corvettes. So a, a friend of mine found the factory five cars and they actually made a challenge series car. And so he bought one, but he's, he's like volumetrically a bit bigger than me. So when he got the car delivered, he's like, I don't fit in it. <laughs> so, <laughs> like he called me up. He's like, you got to come over and hop in this car. And I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> so, sure. I go, 
So I hop in the car and I'm like, I hate you. So <laughs> like I was turning 50 the next month. So I, I found a car that had been built by um, Tim Sharp. He was the editor of Grassroots Motorsports Magazine yeah, at the time. The it was being campaigned by his son, Spencer. And they had built this car in Grassroots Motorsports Magazine over I don't know, four, five, six issues. You know, this is how you build the car. And then they campaigned it. They won the championship out here on the West Coast with it. And now Tim was selling it. So it was in Phoenix. And I live in Southern California near Palm Springs. And I'm like, that's not that far. So I just did an overnight boondoggle, get in the truck with a trailer. And I went over, I saw, I loved it. Here's the money paid, you know, and actually that was when, for those of us who are attuned to what was happening in 2006, seven and eight, the stock market was starting to go, starting to go to crap. And so I'm a paraholic. So I'm like, you know what? 401k, I'm pulling this crap out. So I just started pulling out $25,000 increments and buying cars. And, and, and it turned out to be the right thing to do because I would have, probably lost. I don't know how much, you know, if I'd immediately just let it go. So anyway, I ended up with four cars after that. But anyway, I got my Cobra. My husband, great investment. That's an investment portfolio right yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. My husband hated it because he's like, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a bow tie guy. And now I'm, <laughs> I'm dragging us into blue oval world. Ooh, like, oh, yeah. Okay. I got so, you. I mean, fingernails in the pavement, the whole thing. Yeah. And yeah. And he's like, He's like, I nobody, don't know you anymore. <laughs> nobody puts a distributor in front of the engine. It's the oh. you know, the whole, I had to listen to all of it, but over time, God bless. And it was an EFI car and he's, he's used to nothing but carbs. So I had to become the EFI person as he's, he's like, look, I'll do all the mechanics of it, but there's anything going on with, you know, this, if it decides to stop running, it's on you. So then all of a sudden I'm the EFI person. <laughs> I'm okay, and this I'm was like, a Cobra you got in, in, in Arizona. The yeah, open it's a, it's, top a factory, Cobra? it's a factory five challenge car. Challenge. Car. Okay. That's what threw me off. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. It's a factory five challenge car. And the whole thing about factory five, the five in factory five comes from a five Oh Mustang. That's where the number five comes from. So when they decided back in 95 to build this company, a lot of people had been building different Cobra iterations over the years, different chassis, and maybe they only make five or 10 of them and maybe they never get finished built. Well, they decided that what really launched factory five into the kind of like, as they are today, the largest component car manufacturer of anybody is because they gave people the keys to the kingdom to build the car. So they gave you the chassis, all the, you know, the body parts, the doors, the hood, you know, and all the interior and all that you brought a drive line. But the driveline was based on a 1987 to 93 Mustang, 5.0, period. You went, and back in those days, in 2006, 7, eight, you could buy one for like 500 bucks, pull the engine out, wire diet the, you know, the harness, use the T5 trans and put the 8.8 in there. They made us run 273 gears in the back, which was like, oh, my God. I kept, I, I was like, 273s? Yep. So they were like totally momentum cars with 200 horse, basically. Um, you know, but they only weighed 2,400 pounds. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So they, you could, you know, auto club speedway, you know, I'm doing 140, you know, about 45 <laughs> flying my way through there. They'll fly even at 200 horse. But, um, so anyway, so I had those and then, but I have always been a coupe fan. I, I love coupes and no one was racing coupes. And so I decided in 2008 to hang it out there and buy a coupe. And, you know, like they didn't make a challenge series version of it. So there were no door bars. There were no, like there was, you had to build it yourself. And so then we ended up building 
two or three cars and we ended up making jigs because other people were like, wow, we want to race those. So I had a set of jigs that were going around the country and people were building the cars. And But anyway, I ended up mostly road racing that in endurance races. So we ran like, I've done like the 25 hours of Thunderhill nine times and, you know, with, with my own team and all that. So I'm, I'm an endurance person. You know, I was so you were you were getting the cars from Factory Five and then modifying them to make them legal for racing and, and yep. reinforcing the doors and things. Okay, yep, got it. Yep. So I just wow. buy it, bring it home, build it, and do it. Yeah. So and I've had every iteration of you know started with the three fifty one and three fifty one Windsor and I've had three thirty ones, three forty sevens, and then my the car I race now, like angels are singing because it's a Coyote. It's a two thousand seventeen oh. Coyote. And I've got a T56 trans and I have a IRS with 373 out of a 2015 Mustang. So it's totally, you know, guardsman blue, Wimbledon white from the paint coat of the day, no arrow, but underneath all modern. Wow. Yeah, it's beautiful. I've no, I've seen photos yeah, of it. I mean, it is stunning. And that Coyote motor, like I said, that got me Fantastic in trouble. Motor. So yeah, um, so I understand what that that motor can do, and it just—I mean, sure, it sounds you know just horrible too, right? I mean, it's just you know. That sounds awesome. But I spent a lot. You know, I've been campaigning this car since 2017, and I've spent a lot of time. You know, corner corner waiting and balancing it, making everything just matter of fact, I was, I was telling a group not long ago, I put on a clinic at Buttonwillow for uh, advanced race car driving group. And a, a friend of mine once told me, and I think this is true. The best tuning tool that you can use on a car is a grease gun. And it sounds crazy, but so many people do not have components that are free. You know, you build the car and you grease it once a year and whatever. But if you have anything binding and you want to know why you're getting mid-corner push or snap over steer, oftentimes it's like you push the suspension to the point instead of it being progressive, it's like, oh, and then it lets go. And then boom, you're, you're around, you know, because it's not being, you know, your suspension needs to work with you. And the car should be totally, I do, I do zero, zero cross weights on all my car and I scale them every time I go out and I'm kind of anal retentive about, about everything being just sweet. You know, this much toe out, that much toe in, this much camber, that much caster. I have power steering, so I run a little more caster than others. So, but I'm a suspension queen. I love it. I love seeing a car just be flat and you can help, you can see people on track. I tell them all the time, if you go to a track day and you have somebody, if you're lucky enough to have photographers that are there and they, and they actually will have like a screen and you can see, like, for God's sake, go look at what your car looks like. Because then you're going through a turn, you're like, oh, my God, it's sitting like this. You know, I've got, got I'm, you know, I'm on the brakes and I've got major dive. It's like, no wonder your car doesn't want to stop. You just transferred all the weight, you know, from there to here. And then you're wondering why you're sliding through the turn. So, and anyway, I'm going down a rabbit but, hole. But no, but no I love it's, it. it's a, but you're driving it and then you're pulling into the pits and you're the one that's taking the wrench and, and making the, the adjustments. In yeah. a lot of situations, you know, the, the driver's going, I'm feeling this. And then you're coming back to the pits. So, I mean, yeah. I think that's so cool. in the fact that, you yeah. know, <laughs> there's some sense of like, you know, if something goes wrong, it's, you, there's only one person to look at, you know, and if something goes right, there's, you know, <laughs> just yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. It's, so. true. it's true. And I always tend to drive. Uh, you know, within a window, because as I mentioned before, um, even when I have somebody that drives my car, because when I was doing a lot of endurance racing, I was giving my cars to different people and I would just literally tell them, and, and let's face it, they were always guys, you know, and I, you know, I'm like, I love you guys. If you go off, like 
Like you're not, we're going to have a CTJ come to Jesus right now because, <laughs> because it won't matter whether you were driving, I'll be the one that gets blamed. And yeah. then I'm, my picture is going to be on the internet in two seconds. And it's going to be Karen dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> she <laughs> caused this wonderful man to crash her car. <laughs> <laughs> so Must've been mean, her suspension tuning. I, yeah, I, definitely. It sounds awful, but I'm like, I nope. love you guys. Don't like, besides that, nothing good happens when you leave the surface of the track, my friends. Like, how about we just not do that? It's ridiculous anyway. You know, yeah, we should talk about though, because you've had your you've had your moments off track. Like like you've said, you can't be a racer, like a, a real one, and not have your moments. Like we all do. Like yep. <laughs> even yep. when we're not on the track. Uh, but I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I want to talk to you about a win though. You guys pulled off. I heard you talk about uh, 2000. I think it was 2011 okay. an endurance race where yeah. you went off and still managed to pull out the win. And I want to talk about that because that's from what I little I heard sounded pretty amazing. Yeah. I would love for you to tell that story if you could, oh, though. Yeah, sure. It was uh, 2011. And actually, the backdrop to this whole story is um, my husband, Andy, in May of 2011, we'd been campaigning with NASA during the endurance racing series, and we were using my coupe. Um, and in May, my husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And so he went in for surgery. The surgery didn't go well. He wasn't doing well. So we stood down as a team. When, when he went in for surgery... Um, we were like neck on neck and doing really well in the championship. But of course, you know, May, June, July, August, we're not. And unfortunately, he passed away in September. So, at, you know, we at the memorial service, we had all these. And I'm, I'm blessed to be surrounded by some of the most amazing people on the planet. Big hearts, all car people. And they're like, look, um, we may not win the championship this year because we're really far behind the points. And, you know, but. Andy, you know, was the, Andy would want us to go on, you know, and I'm like, okay, you know, I had to think about it, but then they were right. So we start, oh, we, we rejoined the series and we made up points. And by the time we got to the 25 hours of Thunderhill, we were one point off of being in the lead for the endurance racing championship in the EO class with, with that, with that series. And so my friend, Rick Anderson, who was also a challenge series racer with me forever. He lives up in Healdsburg. He did at the time in California. Like we took that car down to like nut and bolt, everything, everything was new, you know, discs, rotors, you know, or I mean, uh, pads, caliper. I mean, we redid everything. It was perfect. So we show up at the 25, you know, like we're set. And I had four amazing drivers that I'd slayed myself and three others. Not that I'm an amazing driver, but we, I had great teammates and so qualifying comes on Friday and for the 25, you qualify at like five or five 30, we go out. So it was already dark because it's first week in December. And so one of my co-drivers, I'm like, look, I've had tons of seat time in the car. Just go out and just get us on the board. Like, just take it out, you know, cause he hadn't been in the car like ever. And, but he's, but he'd driven tons of coupes and he, he like worked for the factory. So he, he was like very knowledgeable and a good driver. Well, he goes out and unfortunately he dropped wheels um, out of turn seven, overcorrected as happens, and then spun the car around backwards into a ditch and he flipped it over upside down. So now my perfect coupe, you know, two laps in is upside down in a ditch and they red flag the session and my car sits upside down for, you know, 45 minutes while they're trying to figure out how to get it out of this watery mess over there. They bring it in and the roof is you know, kind of crushed down a bit, windshields broken out. 
one of the main suspension components in the rear had snapped off, including with a mount for it. So the upper control arm was snapped and gone. You know, the wheels hanging. It was just a mess. And honestly, same friend who got me into the Challenge Series to begin with, he was my lead crew guy. He wasn't driving, but he was, he literally pulled out one of those milk crates and he stood up on it and he just, it was almost like, I couldn't believe he said, he was like, all right, look, we are not giving up. Like, like this car looks like crap right now, but we have spare parts. I happen to have a windshield. They come out of a, an 86 Jag XJS, which I always carry a spare windshield when we're going to the 25. I have one in the trailer. We had people down in Concord who had spare, um, you know, because the, the coupe community is really tight. It's probably like many of the other car communities. Everybody knows. and Everybody knew we were doing this. They were following online. So all of a sudden, people started driving in with parts and welders showed up and worked all night long and, you know, changed all the fluids in the engine. And, you know, we all said, said a prayer and at 11 o'clock, they pushed me out to. And I mean, honestly, it was one of the greatest things we they people couldn't believe that we had salvaged the car, you know, and here it's back with, you know, it had broken fiberglass and we stitched it up and <laughs> made it look like band-aids and the car wasn't exactly pretty <laughs> anymore. But like, honestly, like we got a standing ovation just from that group of people and it's all racers, you know, they're like, Oh my God, we can't believe you did this. So <clears throat> I told my friend Rick, I said, look, I'm going to drive until I just like can't see anymore because I'm not even sure how this thing's going to run. It might blow up right now. I don't know what else is wrong. So I drove for like four hours and 20 minutes or something. And then I gave the car to him and he brought it back and we actually won our class and we won the 2011 championship because we just stuck with it. And it was like, amazing. and then we went on and finished the 25 hours. So it was like the first six hours was like the last race of the series so we won our, you know, won our class, won the, you know, it was, I still can't believe it to this day that it all came together. It was like amazing people who just wouldn't give up. It was crazy. It was, it was really cool. I'm just seeing the sidelines from Notre Dame, like Rudy, Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's quite a, a roller coaster of a year. Yeah. And it sounds like you really, you know, have yeah. a, a lasting memory there to be able to do it. Somebody came in. Yeah. We all need those people that are going, Hey, you need to do this. Like this is, yeah. this is yeah. what this person wanted. So, well, yeah. you know, you know, it, car people are, what do we say? You've heard this a thousand times. We come together for the cars, you know, and the people is what brings us back. So it's all the yeah. relationships. Yeah. It's why cars and coffee is so popular and all that. Cause everybody it's, it's a community and it doesn't matter what your maker mark or model is. It's we're all the same. We, we have a passion for this culture, for the sport. And um, I I'm blessed to have so many amazing people have helped me over the years. I wouldn't be nearly anything like what I've accomplished if it hadn't been for the kindness and generosity and help and hard work of others. I'm lucky. Well, our, our unofficial motto for our show is we're a car show about people. So there you go. <laughs> that's not really unofficial, but yeah, sort of official, official, but yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it, it makes sense. It's, it, and honestly, I, I, I told you before we even started talking here earlier before we were recording, um, I'm a huge fan of Avance. I, I think that uh, what's happening and the car culture that you're pulling together, it's a completely unique niche of people but there, it, it, people are, it's truly the law of attraction. You're building it and they're coming. It's that old, you know, if you build it they, and they're coming, it's, it's in a beautiful, sweet spot. And I, I love the magazine. Carl Noakes is like, 
I hold him in super high regard. I, I don't know Adam nearly as well. I've known Carl now for probably four or five years, and I've been blessed by him having taken some, captured some amazing images, not only of my car, but just from nature and other cars. I mean, he's amazing. So he must put on a different, you know, persona right. when he's around yeah, her. That's not the Carl we know. Uh, no. <laughs> no, of course. No. <laughs> okay, liars. Yeah. Yeah. Carl, Carl has been our photographer since when we started this with when before we became Avance and mm-hmm. has been a friend and and has made more people on probably put more people on the show than we have so yeah exactly yeah, we, we do thinking but we also consider him a friend and we any shot we can take at him we will gladly take <laughs> so. by, all, by all means <laughs> so that's, that's well yeah i mean with avance avance yeah. really launching in california i mean we're, we're yeah. coming for that area i mean we now have somebody in la and there's going to be a launch party soon so I'm, i mean it's amazing to watch this sort of spread the right way across the country Yep. And we're looking for somebody in Scottsdale. If anybody knows anybody who would like to help Scottsdale grow for Avance and is listening to the show, please let us know. Reach out to Adam at Avance. Yeah. Or just any one of us at Avance, and we will get you in touch. No, reach out to Adam. Yeah. I mean, we'll just put you to Adam. <laughs> no, you can yeah. call any of us. Yeah. yeah. I was browsing your Instagram today, and I noticed something that uh, we share more than cars as a passion, too, and that's the motorcycles. Are you still riding? <laughs> I, You know what? I have uh, I have a couple of older older motorcycles, but I don't have... I, you know, we all have the car or the bike that got away. Mine yep. was a, mine was an '83 RZ 350, Kenny Roberts special. Loved two that. stroke. Yeah. Oh yeah, two stroke oil injected. It was a great little Canyon Blaster I had. It was so fun. Um, and I was working when I got out of the military. As I was working on my teaching credential, I worked at as a service manager at a Honda Kawasaki Yamaha shop. And we, we were sponsoring some of the TZs and, you know, the, the, you know, the sport bike crowd back. And this was like 1986, let's say. And uh, this woman brought in, in the back of a pickup truck, she brought in this RZ350. And we're like, I'm like, wow, that's a really cool bike. I had never even seen one. And so it had been dropped a couple of times. The tank, you know, the handlebars going to the tank and the mirrors are broken off and the handle, you know, the, the, you know, the brake and a clutch were broken off. But she's like, yeah, this young man was renting this room for me and he never paid me and he just gave me this bike. And so if somebody will just take it off my hands, you know, and I'm like, well, how much you want for it? She goes, if you give me 50 bucks, I just want it out of my truck. I'm like, Sold. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was damaged. It looked, you know, the side covers are still. Broken. But I'm a service manager at a at a yeah. Market, which I'm like hmm, I buying parts at cost and doing your own work. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so, and I just loved it. it. Had a little fairing on it. You know, it was just a cool bike. And I fixed it all up. I did all the work myself. And I, you know, it was. Imagine that. that bike. <laughs> but I was dummy. I sold it. So you know, like like I have you know eBay. Offer up uh, Craigslist all set. Like if one comes up, I'm like, I'm buying right now, you know, but to try and find one is they're all they're either way. Those are hard bikes to find. They are. They are. It's not what he, what, what Tom Cruise rode in Top Gun, is it? No. It's a Yamaha. I know that, but. Uh, not an RZ350 though. Oh, okay. I don't remember which one it was. Not yeah. That. yeah. They're, they're just magnificent little bikes. And then last weekend, um, uh, Reinhold uh, Young, who does our safety, he comes riding out to the track and he had a, um, uh, oh my gosh! It, it was a um, Triumph Thruxton, nineteen eighty six, with cool. the full fairing on it. And I'm like, I Ugh. hate you. I love you, and I hate. I hate him too. <laughs> it I is. Hate and, him too. And That's he, what Nick wants. Yeah. Oh my god! And, and he does. Yeah, and he restores vintage cars, and so he's done some things to that bike that are just 
off the chain. And I'm like, oh my God, like take that away. I can't look at it. It's so beautiful. I love the cafe racers. I, I just think they're just spectacular. I mean, I like bikes, but yeah, those are the, so I have a little, but I have a little CT 70. So just little trail 70. And then I have a 76 <clears throat> MT 125 Honda Elsinore. So, oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're both cool little bikes. Yeah. I yeah. Just, I like the older bikes. They're just cool. If I could find one of those Thruxton's, I might even find, I might even go for one of those. Yeah. That was a badass bike. Yep. Mm. And this, and Triumph, like the style Triumphs have, they've held on to that style longer than anybody. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a lot of throwback bikes now. I think the cafe racers have really come back into style, oh, but big the Thruxton. Time, big time. Yeah. You know, you know, well, the, the new Bonnevilles still look like the old Bonnevilles. But yeah. They, just they always better, have. So. I mean, yeah. 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 Well, in Norton, the old Norton, I want to say Commander or Commander, you know, those, whatever that was, just mm-hmm. really just, you know, what was so beautiful about them? They were simple. They were just simple. Mm-hmm. There wasn't all this, you know, drama to them. It was just pure. And they were just built to, you know, get out there and go have fun. You need to see if you can find a Honda monkey to ride. Dan and yeah, I both have Honda us. monkeys and we go, we go trail riding on them. It's the most, it's miles for miles, but we no, talk about it all the time, but it's, yeah. I, yeah so. I don't even know that I've heard of that. I'll have to. So it's like the old monk, like the original monkey was a 50 CC. They're now 125. They're the same frame and, and engine as like the Grom and stuff like that, but they're vintage looking, the high bars. Metal tank, metal chrome tank. bars. It's yeah. so much fun. Yeah. So much fun. So if, so, yeah. right, if you like the CT70, you'll love it. That's yeah. going to be my new search. I'll add that to my eBay and Craigslist. <laughs> well, when if you're if you're in Seattle, you find us and we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll take we, you for a ride. we have three of them us. between us and oh, you can well, come okay, for a ride. Great. Yeah, yes. well, I'll be up there. For this. Be careful what you offer because I'm there. No, I mean, <laughs> I'm there for historics, you know, sovereign historics, Pacific Northwest historics is happening July one, two, three. So, yeah, um, yeah my rig is still up there. I hopped a flight back down here because fuel prices are stupid. So I just I left my rig up there. Yeah. So my rig's over in Spokane. I'm going to I'm bringing my grandson up. My grandson uh, just turned 14. But with VARA down here, which is our vintage group, uh, they allow 13-year-olds with a full race car. Like if you have the full race car, all the suit and everything, you can actually go out and earn your license at 13. So he did this. <clears throat> he did the school in January. Uh, we put on a race school down here, and you can get sanctioned and licensed. So he did the school in January, um, and uh, he's going. I'm taking him for his medical on Tuesday, and I'm hoping to get him on track by probably in July to go do some track days. So it, it'll be fun for him. So he's got the bug then he's, 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 you've transferred it uh, successfully and <laughs> he has that love. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, to his credit, cause I told him, you know, it's funny <clears throat> and some other people might watch this someday. We might even you guys might. So you have kids, you know, and then they kind of figure out that you have these cars and they're like, you know, so one day they we were all over doing some barbecue thing and, and he's, he's like, and my name isn't grandma. I'm Gaw. It's like G-A-H, Gaw. Yeah, that's what he called me when I was a baby. And that's it. He's like, hey, Gaw, so what's going to happen to all these cars like when you're, <laughs> when you're not around? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, well, you know, Evan? And he was like, eight. I said, you know, Evan, there's like, you know, there's nobody in my family right now who really has the interest. And I'm, you know, I'm, they might go to, you know the shelter you know i might send him off to aspca to auction you know he's like what <laughs> so he finally i'm like yeah like if you want to help me learn how to field the coop 
because that's what I had at the time, you know, I was racing it. I said, you have to learn everything about it. Like you're not even getting in anything that I own until you know everything about it. You've laid underneath it. You've been filthy, dirty. And so from that day on, he's, he's been over here helping me and he earned it at 14 to go out and, and, uh, and drive. And a good friend of mine had a little, get this Saturn. So an Adder Saturn S2 endurance yeah. racing car, be like a lucky dog car, basically a really fun little car. Uh, she was getting rid of it. So I picked that up from her. So he did the school in this little Saturn, this little stick shift. So he had to learn how to drive. I taught him out here in the orange groves in my Corvette, my 95. I'm like at dark. I'm like, okay, we're going to go out for like 30 minutes in the, you know, on this dead end street, you know, and I, I took him out for like a week, you know, and he was like, yeah, I think I got this. I'm like, yeah, well, wait till you get on a racetrack. So it'll be a little bit different. <laughs> so, so anyway, but he at least knew how to shift and could pull away from a stop before he could do the school. So anyway, uh, he's coming up with me to the uh, historics. So he'll come up with me to Spokane and we'll drive over and he's going to be my crew guy. I I identify with that more than you know. I have a 1959 Triumph TR3 sports car from my grandfather and I wasn't allowed to touch it until I knew everything about it. And I mean, now it's my pride and joy. And I, he, what he didn't tell me is that it breaks. It's, it's British and it breaks all the time. But other than that, you know, so, but uh, yeah, I understand that. That's a wonderful story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sounds like he's already aware how cool his grandma is though. Yeah. He's, you know, I, to him, to, you know, I don't, I, I don't even think he thinks that at all. I think he's just, he, well, and we, I have two little, you know, do you guys do any eye racing? Do you ever do any of that? You know, I, uh, no, I, Okay, so I know what it is, of course. I, I, I know racing, but probably what's the most inexpensive iRacing setup you can probably have. So I bought a really inexpensive gaming computer, like like I think it was like twelve hundred bucks, but that's not. Some of them are ten thousand dollars. These big, right? Yeah. So I picked up like a twelve hundred dollar this. I picked up the little Logitech G twenty nine wheel and you know and the shifter and you know and I bought a little cage that you could buy. It was like two hundred and twenty bucks. Anyway, I have like eighteen hundred dollars total and the whole thing, and then. I, and I was like, hey, when, so when COVID hit, we started doing iRacing and I had just the one setup. And then he's like, well, I want to race with you. So then further into COVID, I bought just another same thing, which luckily I got it right before they were like totally out of stock. But he and I, I race each other all the time. So we have so much fun. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's it's just a blast. And so he'll come over here and we'll iRace and then we'll go out and play in the garage. And he's just, he's just really fun. I'm, I'm lucky. He's a great guy. That sounds really cool. What a fun way to grow up, too. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me miss my childhood. But yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just me, myself and I, you know. So uh, you're like, well, I need a hand doing something. Like, I'm like, you're coming over today because... I, I can't seem to put a brand new radiator in and do all this from underneath over here. So get in here. <laughs> so he'll have small hands, quick work. Yeah. 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 He's had to learn all the tools and he didn't know anything when we started, you know, I, I'm like, you know, I need this or that. And he's like, <laughs> and that would be where and which tool. Well, he's got a hell of a mentor. I yeah. mean, that's most of us, you know, just figuring it like now it's, you know, YouTube Academy. Yeah. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, and that doesn't even. Yeah. I feel like people on YouTube skip steps purposely, just because yeah. you're like, wait a minute, how did you get from A to C? Like, we're missing something here. So I prefer, you know, um, uh, Matt Mormon from Obsessed Garage. Yeah. One of the things I like about his show, which is 
uh, some people don't like it at all, and I love it, is that he goes through the steps of how frustrating it can be to get it wrong and have incomplete directions. And his videos are exceptionally long as a result, but I feel like he's the only one who's actually covering the real experience. Because yeah, right. you watch like a, a produced show, and you're like, oh, they made that super easy to put in this brand new suspension under this vehicle. And you're oh, like, yeah. oh, I can do that. And you get out there, and you're like, I can't do that. Well, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, his videos I mean, are like six his, hours long, but you'll get it done right. Yeah. yeah. So, and it, yeah. His, the title of the show could, could be like in full disclosure. <laughs> yeah. This is yeah. how it really works. And, and well, like the magic of TV, I was lucky to, um, uh, oh, I don't know when it was 2016 or something, 15, 16. Um, there's a, there's a show called Detroit muscle that I don't even know if it's still on mm. or not, but um, so we built, we had five girls build a Cobra in five days on that show. So we all flew into Franklin, Tennessee. We were at RTM productions there. And, you know, it's the magic of TV because there is no real way to build a car in five days. Let's face it. So we did no paint or body work that was like done, you know, and then they made the mistake and I, I love them. This is full disclosure. Uh, they were like, well, we're going to help the girls out and we're going to drill, you know, pre-drill the panels but you know what transport happens and you take those panels off, they don't fit. You know, like there's a lot of tweaking. And so we had asked them like, don't do that because at least for me, I knew it's like, let's not, please don't. And so, and so some of those panels in that car under the flooring, you know, under the carpet is like, they have like dual holes that are like a quarter inch off because everything tweaked. And I'm like, this looks like crap, but oh, well, you know, let's put the, let's put the soundproofing on and cover it with and go with God. <laughs> don't drive it. Don't put your foot there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, Just let it go. I mean, but that's all the magic of, you know, the magic of TV. I also was lucky. Yeah. I was on, uh, there's a show called um, All Girls Garage with bogey and 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 so i got to go down there we we actually dropped a 427 engine in a superformance you know superformance makes a they huh. do they make a really so yeah. they build a great car so you know like i said i think i said before i'm non-denominational i love them all you know i i don't care what iteration of them and i don't care i have an amc amx out here in the oh cool in, the, oh. Yeah, in okay. my out in the shop it was it was also a riverside car yeah, I was looking for a gold strand car and I wanted what I wanted was a 1970 Javelin SST, like a Mark Donahue version. And I was really, this was back in 2007, no, it was when I was pulling money out of my 401. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm going to find one of these and just throw it in the back of the shop. But uh, I didn't really want an AMX. But then when I was scrolling through the eBay ad, um, it said set up by Dick Goldstrand for racing at Riverside. And I was like, let me go back here and look. So I went down to Costa Mesa and a guy had it sitting in the back of the shop. It wasn't running, but it's a 394 speed go pack car. And I did a full resto mod on it and it's sitting out there with 525 horse. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. That's a great little car. Good Lord. Yeah. Wow. That's a fun car. So that's there. That's the one my, that's the one my grandson actually thinks he's going to, like that's what he when he goes when I vintage race can I race the AMX I'm like mm, no right now <laughs> maybe I love you a lot not that much <laughs> no, uh, uh, yeah. another good friend of mine had a because uh, he's not going to race the Saturn in vintage like right now and I want him to vintage race because there's some really good reasons to vintage race as opposed to wheel to wheel and you know no offense to other organizations but. In theory, we're a non-contact sport. <clears throat> in theory, <laughs> doesn't always happen that way. But Robin's he, racing. But I'd rather have him racing with me. So a really, really good friend of mine had a little Alpha Berlina, 
Um, his name is Tom Leeming. Oh, yeah. He had it in the back of his shop or, you know, he built it from like, he was like a total off frame off resto. It had been a rust bucket and he really put a ton of work on it. And he has other alphas that he races along with, he now has a Daytona coupe that he runs. And he's like, you know, if Evan wants to run this little alpha, so I worked a deal with him. And so I have this little alpha Berlina sitting in the back and that'll be Evan's car when the time comes. And it's a lovely little sedan, four door, beautiful little thing. Uh, but that's going to be the car that he gets to run. He's not getting in my Daytona coupe tomorrow. There's a lot of car. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. I mean, if he's learning to drive and getting his license at 13, he'll be in that coupe sooner and later. <laughs> well, he'll, be, he'll be in, but he's yeah. going to have to do like three full years. Sure. In a, yeah. in, in a, I want him to be in a, the thing has 132 horsepower. <clears throat> you know, it's like yeah. you go learn how to momentum drive. You learn how to control. You learn, you know, how to, um, your race craft, you know, how to, how to, how to be a good race car driver, how to be safe, how to be kind to your competitors, you know. That like yeah. there's a lot to racing and it's not just get out there and bully everybody around. It's an art, it's a science, and there's just some magic that happens when it goes well. And I want him to know that before he gets to get in anything with a lot of horsepower. Yeah. Learn to drive a slow car fast and then we'll go from there. Yeah. Well, yeah. we yeah. say power corrupts, right? You, if you get a high horsepower car and then you rely on it and really fast people can drive a really low horsepower car fast extremely fast yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah well speaking of that advice uh what i want to ask you one last thing if you have any big advice for somebody new coming into this man or woman matter what you identify as what advice would you put it as um would you put out there well i i think one of the things that i see happens for people is of, of course if you don't know what you want to do you just say i want to go do this then see if you can figure out if you can narrow down some lane to get in to start with, but then follow that lane to where you become good at it because people have the, you know, the bright, shiny object syndrome and they start this and they go to that and they and they never really become good at anything. And so at least if you're going to invest in something um, or go out to a race, if you want to become a race car driver, like, you know, the analogy with, if you want to be a fisherman, you'd probably go to the lake. You know, if you want to race cars, <laughs> get out to a track, get out to an event, find out the car clubs that are near you and just go. And don't have any fear of asking questions because most of the people in our car culture are more than happy to answer questions. I'd say, especially we've evolved as a, as a community in uh, say over 30 years, and we don't really have, you know, nearly as much of that, you know, you know, don't ask dumb questions. No, like, honestly, um, it's a really welcoming community. And once you're in it, like, even if you're not sure what you want to do, just get out there, be brave enough to take the first step. And then if you're not sure what you want to do, try something. And if it feels like you hate it, then obviously immediately change. But, uh, you know, just start making friends, ask questions and get out there. I mean, that's that's really. And then the other advice I'd have, because I coach a lot of young people. If you're 16 years old right now, I love you. You're not going to be in Formula One. I'll just have to burst your bubble. It's probably not going to happen. I love you, but you know, Max Verstappen. Yeah, there goes my dreams. Yeah, Max. <laughs> Max Verstappen was ready for a ride when he was 16. They were just waiting for him to become of age. I guarantee you, he started when he was, you know, probably at his house on some little push toy, and he's been driving something since he could walk, probably. And yep. you know, real, real people who, and I'm, you know, Formula One is the you know, pent ultimate, let's say 
you know, place to be, but there's a lot of places in between to go. So you can, you know, there's IMSA stuff and there's, you know, world endurance stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in Europe. There's formula cars, you know, there's people that love the formulas and there's people that love sedans and love people that love, you know, I mean, there's something out there for everybody. Just get out there and go. Don't be afraid. And when somebody offers you an opportunity, say yes and do it scared. Yeah. Well, I we, like that phrase. Say yes and do it. Say scared. yes and do it scared. Yeah, yep. that's a good one. Well, Avance is definitely a good place to start. If you uh, if you're listening to this and you're not a member, check it out. You can literally drop into that Facebook group and be like, "I want to go racing this weekend or whenever," and I don't know what to do. I guarantee you, you will have a hundred helpful responses that aren't "you suck." <laughs> it's. I mean, you might get a couple from your friends, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're your Are friends. You will sure, say you want to go racing? I mean, maybe yeah. we just go to the grocery store first. Like. <laughs> The funny part is if they said, I have a minivan, somebody at Evergreen Autocross oh, would be like, absolutely. okay, empty it out and come. Who cares? No kidding. I, I think we've all yeah. seen almost everything get raced at some point. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. more fun because I want that person to do well when they have something really out of the ordinary. There was yeah. a guy with a, when I was last time we were Autocross, there was, a, I talked about it, there was a Subaru Crosstrek, bone stock on, I mean, stock tires, everything. And they just took everything out of the car and went for it. And we all wanted to see them do well. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I'm like, go with the CBT. Let's see what happens. (laughs) Perfect. Well, Karen, I really appreciate you taking time. I know we had some some glitches, but uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to do this with us and, and finding time in your schedule. Um, I look forward to meeting you in person. Uh, that that invite is real. If we can get together sometime when you're up here, we'll go for a monkey ride. Um, you know, and yeah. go from there. So we're happy to share cars and bikes with you. So yeah. please come visit us, and uh, yeah, maybe we can do this again in person for the Avance community when you're in town, and you can talk to everybody here because we I know they'd all love it. Oh, so. love it! Thank thank you both. This has been a real joy. I wish you well, and you know, like I said, I think Avance is a great thing. So I'm out here cheerleading. Go! Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, for this episode of the Avance Podcast, as always, I'm Nick. And I'm Dan. And don't just get there. Enjoy the drive.